the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the word to stand on for life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The word to stand on for life is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel in San Antonio. A live call-in show here to help you answer your questions about the Bible and how to apply the word to your daily life. For more information on Calvary Chapel, visit our website, calvarysa.com. Get your Bible questions ready and call in now to 210-340-9585. It's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome to the program. Hey, it's Friday. I'll tell you why that's exciting in a minute. Hi, I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas, and you're listening to The Word to Stand On for Life. It's the Friday edition of the show. Uh, This is a program dedicated to you. You can call. We're excited about your Bible questions, anything that might be going on in your life. We'd love to have you call and talk about it. 340-9585 is our number. That's 340-9585. You can also call us toll-free at 877-630-KSLR. Numerically, that's 630-5757. You can email questions to us by emailing questions at calvarysa.com. You can send them in via our free Calvary Chapel mobile app as well. If you're driving in your car, the best and safest way for you to call is to use the free KSLR mobile app. Just push the call now button and you will be connected directly to our studio producer. Now, I told you it was Friday and the reason I'm excited is because tonight is our children's Christmas play. When I say children from the very, very little ones to the oldest kids we've got, uh, juniors and seniors in high school, even a, a few of our graduates who've come back and participated in the play for a very, very long time. We would love to have you join us tonight at 6.30 at the Judson High School Performing Arts Center. Uh, There's no cost to get in. What a great evening to spend with your family. Uh, Really to sort of focus on the real meaning of Christmas. Uh, We were out doing a little bit of Christmas shopping yesterday. And uh, I need to focus on the real meaning of Christmas. And tonight, the kids are going to teach it a whole lot better than I'm going to be able to teach it a week from Sunday on Christmas Eve here at Calvary Chapel of San Antonio. So we'd love to have you come. No charge, no admission. Um, 6.30 at the Judson High School Performing Arts Center. And then since this is Friday, this will be the last time we talk about this on Sunday afternoon. Uh, That's at 4 o'clock at the Shirts Community Center. We're having our annual Christmas dinner. Uh, Hundreds and hundreds of people will be there. Lots and lots of food. And we would like to extend an invitation uh, for you in the listening audience here as well. We'd love to get to know you and meet you. Don't worry about being uncomfortable or feeling awkward because you don't know anybody. You'll know everybody in just a few minutes. That's how friendly the people are. There's no charge for this as well. 4 o'clock at the... Shirts Community Center, uh, we would love to have you join us. Invite family members and friends, make it a family event. Uh, just don't sit all by yourself. Sometimes when people come in and they're sitting at a table all by themselves, we can tell it must be somebody who doesn't come to the church. We'd love to have you uh, an opportunity to invite you to our tables. So uh, all of that this weekend, uh, and I'm excited about it. So church this weekend, when you go, let the Lord use you, make it your opportunity to serve him ask and pray for some divine appointments and let the lord use you for your glory three four zero ninety five eighty five for your live calls and questions let's go to our first question uh the first one is anonymous and it says how can i help my husband take the role of leadership uh, of in our home uh, anonymous uh, you know this is a work that god has to do in the meantime 
the most instructive thing I can say to you is don't take that role yourself. Just because there's a leadership vacuum, don't take that role yourself. This is very important. You've got to be the one who looks to your husband. That doesn't mean you don't have your own relationship with the Lord. It doesn't mean that God's not speaking to you. But what you want to do is set your house in order, and it's out of order if the woman is the head. Now, I'm talking to Christians. I know how foreign that sounds to people in the world, people who aren't believers. But this is the roles that have been established by God himself, and we need to understand that. It doesn't mean that the wife is not a partner. It doesn't mean that the husband dictates. It doesn't make him a boss or a dictator. It just means that your partners, one flesh, Peter calls husbands and wives joint heirs of the grace of life together. And th- there has to be walking in partnership. Amos 3.3 says, how can two walk together unless they agree to do so? How much more relevant is that in a home that declares it belongs to Jesus Christ. So don't take the lead just because there's a leadership vacuum. Having said that, if your husband is not walking with the Lord or if he is refusing to take the leadership role, then you have the obligation to read to your children if in fact you have them. You have the obligation, and it's really a privilege more than an obligation, but I think you get the point. Um, You get the opportunity to uh, read, uh, seek the Lord on your own, continue to grow uh, in in the knowledge of God and in the knowledge of God's will for your life, um, and then pray for your husband. Pray for your husband. Trust Jesus. He's always faithful. 340-9585 for your live calls and questions. Let's go to my friend uh, Tanya in San Leandro, California. Tanya, thanks for calling. You're on the air. Tanya, are you there? Well, we got a line problem. Oh, I can hear you. I can hear you now, Tanya. Hi, Pastor Ron. I said happy Friday to you. Thank you very much. Yes. So I have a question for you. I I was invited the other night to a yoga uh, class. And I remember years ago, I remember a sermon when I lived in Texas about there was a girl did an article uh, about yoga and the chanting and what was actually being said. And, and um, I, I enjoyed the, the class, and, and there was a, a chant about peace. Just the word was peace. And I just felt like, you know, let me find out about all that. I can't recall what sermon that was, but I, I believe you remember. It was an article written in the San Antonio mm-hmm. Express News, and it was about the chanting of the yoga. just wanted to get your opinion on that. Um, because uh, she is a neighbor, and, and, and there wasn't any, like, you know, no weird uh, stuff, you know, in the air or, or no weird statues, but just really wanted to try to get an understanding because, you know, I've always taken your um, – how you always say, you know, take Jesus with you everywhere you go. And so mm-hmm. I try to, to do that. Sometimes I fail, of course, and repent. But um, really wanted to get your opinion on that whole uh, yoga and the, and the chanting because it, it just seems – off. So I'll take your answer <laughs> off the air. Thank you, Tanya. God bless you. Merry <laughs> Christmas. I'm sure, sure I'll talk to you before no. Christmas time again. So thank you. Yeah, I'm actually, yeah uh, I'll, I'll be visiting. And I'll wait one more thing, Pastor Ron. Oh, before you're you, visiting? Before you answer the call. Yeah, I'll okay. be visiting. Cool. So um, before you answer the, 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 the uh, question, I also want to know how we can pray for you. And, and I know that oh. there's a lot of always needs in the church. So just let me know so I can put in our, our prayer request here in California and make sure we're, we're on those things. So just to kind of a two-part question, the yoga question, and then how can we pray for you? <laughs> Thank you, okay? Tanya. God bless you. Uh, I love you. Thank you. I love you, too. Uh, I, I really do love this girl. She's been a sweetheart, and she's one of the people who, when they leave your lives out of circumstance, they don't leave your lives. And, and uh, I've been blessed to watch Tanya grow in uh, in her walk with the Lord. Uh, Tanya, first let me deal with the, how you can pray for me. Um, uh, for Paula and for me both. Um, you can pray for us that we would fall more in love with Jesus, that our passion would grow. That's uh, always first and foremost on our prayer lists. Um, we don't want to miss out on anything that God has for us. Uh, you can pray for our health, that we would stay strong and physically able to do the work of ministry for a very, very long time. Um, my deepest prayer is for the people who are here. We want them to enjoy all that God has for them so that 
uh, your prayer could be that the Holy Spirit would continue to work powerfully uh, in and through the work that we're doing here. And then you mentioned money. Provision is always a problem. You know, when you're a church that does everything free and you're doing a lot of really, really expensive stuff, it takes a lot of money. And while we never ask for money or never let our needs be known, um, um, you can pray uh, on our behalf for provision that comes from heaven. There's always a, a huge need. There's never a time, we've been here almost 23 years, there's never been a time when we didn't have a huge need. And it seems like the longer we're here, the, the greater those needs become. It's interesting that God doesn't stop testing us um, um, just because we've passed some tests and have gone uh, ahead well so far. Um, but, but that we would continue to, to pass the tests that God has before us, that we would continue to take steps of faith, regardless of whether or not there's the money to do it, and then um, that God would provide abundantly to support the work that he's um, led us to do. So I hope that that helps. Tanya, regarding the yoga part, uh, you're right, it's Eastern mysticism, however. Now, I'm not one of those guys who says, well, you know, you can't do anything. Uh, Some of the healthiest people I know are are yoga practitioners, and I don't mean spiritually healthy, but I mean physically healthy. Um, um, I, I know some people who do nothing but yoga, and they're in excellent physical condition, which means that they can serve the Lord with, with the strength that God has provided. So the idea, the exercise, let me put it this way, the exercise behind yoga, I think, is is healthy and something that's good to do. Now, when you go into class, uh, I, I once noticed that every yoga class that I've ever seen, now that may be different in some places, but uh, at our gym, the, the yoga class, uh, I see it every day. And they always turn off the lights. They're always sitting in the darkness. And I thought, Lord, what a great metaphor for the things that we do in darkness we have to be careful of. So when the Eastern mysticism part comes in, the chanting and the mmm and all of that, uh, that's when you've got to sort of divorce yourself from it. That doesn't mean you've got to leave, but you can replace that time of, of uh, chanting with prayer. Uh, Jesus is right there with you. Um, um, you're, 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 you're his project and, and you can say, Lord, I'm doing this for a strong body so that I can serve you to keep me healthy as long as you can. But that would be when I would channel that time into prayer. And I think now this is just the way I think, Tanya, uh, the thing that I would do is pray for the people that are in there. Uh, when I go places where I'm surrounded by unbelievers, Uh, I use that as an opportunity to pray for the very people in that room. And I promise you, I promise you that if you're in a yoga class and you're praying for all the people in there, there is no way the enemy is going to be able to to harass you or cause you any difficulty at all uh, because that's just going to encourage you to pray even more. So I'm not one of those who say, well, you have to stay away from everything that has pagan roots or, or wicked roots. Uh, just turn it into something that God can use for his good and for his glory. That's what happened with you, Tanya, and with me. When we got saved, when we were born again, God took that which opposed him and turned it into that which blessed him. And you can do that in a yoga class by praying for your instructor. They're the ones who are usually the ones that are deepest into all of this nonsense. Uh, And then you can just use it as a really, really good exercise class. Uh, On a a separate note about yoga, some of our our, um, um, San Antonio Spurs, um, you know, they got to keep their bodies healthy. They're really big into yoga and exercise. And uh, one of them who no longer plays for the Spurs but is a legend for the Spurs uh, practiced yoga for a long time and remained healthy and able to play for a very, very long time, very fruitfully. So... Uh, I, I hope that helps, Tanya. God bless you and your visiting. I can't wait to see you. Three four zero ninety five eighty five. Let's go again to the Bay Area in California and talk with William online too. William, thanks for calling. You're on the air. Yes, sir. Hello, Pastor Ron. Merry Christmas to you and Miss Paula. Um, Thank you, Pastor Ron. I, <laughs> I, I. This is a first time caller for me, and uh, I'm a new listener of four weeks. Um, I sent you a, a question in the queue about two weeks ago, and uh, um, I heard you two days ago say, because uh, I know things were slow on the telephone, so you looked at the mm-hmm. queue, and I had to get laughing when you said, oh, 
I'm not going to answer that question today, and I just had to laugh and say, <laughs> I bet you that's mine, because it, it was foolish. And, and here's what it is. Uh, maybe you have read my question, and as, if I preface it, you, you'll know that was my question in the queue. Um, okay. I'm a retired law enforcement officer of 28-plus years, uh, worked in one of the most violent cities in this nation. Uh, but then again, what city in our nation isn't violent anymore, and that's a shame. Mm -hmm. um, I've been uh, battling depression due to a, a long-term uh, chronic injury or chronic pain from an injury, and uh, snapped. Uh, nine and a half years, finally had it. Um, not a danger to myself, not a danger to others. But uh, the question was, was that in my career, I have seen Satan's work firsthand, not hearsay. Mm -hmm. I, I've seen it. I don't know, 10,000, 20,000, 30,000 times. I don't know. Um, and then you take all the trials and tribulations, <laughs> and I think you you may know, maybe not, but you know all the you look, uh, you know I'm depressed, it's, it's, uh, I'm broken spiritually, or I was, um, uh, I'm, I'm lost, and uh, all just all the trials and tribulations. I, and the question I posed to you was because this is the the, uh, the long ago Catholic in me is. Could this earth be, because it is run amok by Satan and his minions, uh, could this be purgatory? Now, <laughs> hold on, I know, I, you should laugh at me, I know, but... 30 I'm not laughing seconds, at you. Yeah, 30 seconds, I sent that to you, into the cosmos. The Holy Spirit hit me in the head with one of the bricks they've been slowly breaking me down with because that's the only way they can get my attention. I know, the, and, I, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, wake up, William, you dummy. You know the answer is no. But it just kind of, I just want to kind of give you, on that day and that time, just my, my thought, you know, you, you're down, and I figure, uh, oh, another, another Catholic question that you get tired of answering. Um, so that was my question, and uh, I know the answer, and I just want to kind of clear that up. So if, if you did see that in your queue, please delete it, send it to the recycle bin, I know the answer. <laughs> Okay. Thank you, William. I'm going to address okay. it anyway. And, and William, before you hang up, let me uh, ask you to do this. If you would send an email to questions at calvarysa.com, um, I would appreciate you, if you don't mind doing it now, send a contact via email or phone. Uh, I've got a, a cop here in the church that I would love to have talked to you. Um, oh, very um, I mean, he he loves the Lord with all of his heart. I've gone on ride-alongs with him and his partner uh, on several occasions, and uh, he would be a wonderful um, um, encouragement for you. So if you would do that, questions at calvarysa.com, send a phone number or an email address, and I'll have him contact you. His name is Ernie, uh, and uh, it would be a great, great uh, source of encouragement for you. So well, do that if you would. One more thing, too. Uh, okay. Uh, Pastor Ron and uh, Miss Paul, I think she's there with you today. Um, no, she's not. I she's not with on, me today. Okay, I plan on coming down to the San Antonio. Uh, my uh, after the New Year, God willing, um, I want to uh, hopefully meet you in person, shake your hand. You've helped me just in the three, four weeks I've been listening to you and the callers, and uh, it's been uplifting. I am walking the walk. I've, I've opened up my spirit my soul and uh and the holy spirit is is <laughs> talking to me he is and and this pain like i said the physical and now uh you know i'm being bombarded i am being yeah. and uh i was my brother who does god's work and he's a believer up in the austin area he's the one that turned me on to you and uh, i'm cool. going to come down and meet you and uh, I yep. want to enjoy that that environment that you have down there. God bless you. You do wonderful work. Thank you, William. Thank you, William. Okay, God Ron. bless you. Bye Thank bye. you very, very much. Um, uh, William, uh, you know, uh, we, we already contacted, or my producer already contacted uh, Ernie, the officer here. He's listening to the program. And uh, I'll you, you send me that, again, questions at calvaryessay.com, and I'll have Ernie contact you. Two things. First, thank you f so much for your service. Um, uh, we need Christian cops. 
Um, there's nothing better that you could do with your life if you're an able-bodied young man and you love Jesus. As difficult a calling as it is, uh, we we need Christian cops. Uh, we have the answer to all of those horrible situations and all of the evil and the wickedness that William described. Um, uh, what a great opportunity to be light in the middle of darkness. So thank you very, very much for that, William. Uh, I can't wait to meet you when you come down. Uh, I'm glad that the Holy Spirit answered your question. He also sometimes speaks to me and calls me a dummy. So I get you. But at the same time, remember that he's going to be relentless in his pursuit and he's going to use the pain, physical infirmity that that so many of us deal with. He's going to use those things to try to destroy you. That's his ministry. He is a professional at it and he's not going to ease up. So uh, you keep walking the walk. You keep pressing in with Jesus because just as you and I, William, are no match for the devil, the devil is no match at all for Jesus. You just stay tucked in behind him and don't listen to the, the enemy's lies. Jesus, do you believe what he's trying to convince me of? You deal with it because I know that you're good. I know that you're loving. So uh, I, I did not get your, your email for some reason. So uh, this is the first I've heard of it. But thank you very, very much for the question. Thank you for the kind thoughts. And please keep listening. God bless you and God bless your brother for sending you. Three four zero ninety five eighty five for your live calls and questions. Now, see, we're in San Antonio, Texas. We've had more calls today from the San Francisco area than we had from our local area. Three four zero ninety five eighty five. Here is a question from Alex. I like this question, Alex. Alex says, "When was Daniel written?" I ask because there are some scholars who believe it was written long after the events described, such as the reign of Alexander the Great, which is true, and why would some scholars place the writing much later? Uh, the best scholarship, and we are, are, are uh, personally 100% convinced of this. You know, uh, let, let me go back one step. When I was in Bible college, uh, my first class in Bible college, my first semester was Daniel and Revelation. So in the in the prophecy of Daniel, in studying it, I happened to take my time studying on the weekends at a Christian or what, what claimed to be a, a school of theology, Christian theology. The problem was that it was a, a, a heretical, a very liberal school of theology. So as I would go through their library stacks uh, doing research and studying for papers and just because I wanted to know, uh, I ran into these guys who said that Daniel was written sometime in the second century. Now, Daniel was written in the fifth or sixth century B.C., um, uh, around 580 or so. Um, it was written uh, at some point in the Babylonian invasion. Um, Nebuchadnezzar is front and center in Daniel's prophecy. And um, uh, Daniel goes on to describe the um, not only the events of, of Nebuchadnezzar and the things that had already happened, but he goes into the future some two, three hundred years and describes perfectly the, the, the ministry or not the ministry, but, but the, the, the um, um, war campaigns of Alexander the Great, who is one of the most fascinating people to study in history. If you want a good book, find a good scholarly work on uh, um, Alexander the Great, and you'll love it. It's really, really interesting. But um, the reason he didn't believe it uh, and ascribed it to a much later time in the second century was because they simply believed that nobody could, with that kind of specificity, detail Alexander the Great without having lived afterwards and having the benefit of history. Now, here's the problem. Those liberal scholars who are dishonest in their approach simply dismiss the earlier scholarship that suggests uh, an early writing of Daniel because they don't believe in the supernatural. And if you don't believe in the supernatural, then you don't believe that it's possible to tell uh, the the history in advance, the future um, um, before it happens. And and uh, that was their bias, and that was their problem. And the result is they miss out on one of the um, proof uh, um, books of the Bible about uh, the validity of the, the counsel of the Word of God. Not only does he talk about Alexander the Great with startling specificity, 
you go in the back chapters of the book, book 11, or chapters 11 and 12 of Daniel, and he tells the history of the world, uh, especially those nations around Jerusalem, um, up to the very time that we live in. And his prophecies are exactly on point. Now, if a second century date of authorship was correct, and it's not, I want to be clear, they still can't explain away all of the things that were predicted that happened after they say Daniel wrote it that happened just as God said they would in the book of Daniel. Those same scholars don't believe there was a Daniel. Many of them, they believe that it was written by somebody else. They believe that it was written to encourage Israel during a time when they were um, um, discouraged because of the Babylonian invasion. And this was meant to sort of pump them up and help them with their faith. Uh, But none of that's true. So uh, in the 5th or 6th century, uh, B.C. was when it was written. And anybody who discounts the overwhelming evidence of scripture or of history about that date of writing simply doesn't know anything at all. Daniel himself was in captivity in Babylon. That means he had to be alive then. He still couldn't be alive three or four hundred years later. Alex, thank you very, very much. 340-9585. We've got 30 minutes left in the week. 340-9585. You're listening to the Word of Santa for Life. We'll be back in two minutes. to the word to stand on for life we're taking your calls at 340-9585 or toll free 877-630-KSLR now here's pastor ron arbaugh welcome back to the word to stand on for life we've got 30 minutes left in the week i got to make a couple of really important corrections for those of you who would like to come to our lunch uh, Sunday at 4 o'clock. I keep saying the Shirts Community Center. It's the Shirts Civic Center. So uh, don't go to the Community Center. I don't even know if there is one of those. It's at the Shirt Shirts Civic Center on Shirts Parkway at 4 o'clock on Sunday. Um, the other thing before I go to the phone is um, one of the great things about Daniel, I want to follow up on that question that Alex asked, um, how specific he was. He describes in the in the book of Daniel, um, Alexander the Great, and he, his pictures as a leopard, sleek and fast. The, the key to Alexander's victory was that he invented a cleat, a sandal with a cleat on it that allowed his armies to move at twice the speed of any of the other army in the world. So they would send up spies. That was the way they did it to find out when they'd come back. Say, well, Alexander is so far away. He'll be here in so many days. And then he would show up in half that time, catching them uh, unprepared and and have an easy victory. So uh, those are the kind of things. When I said Alexander is one of the most exciting people to study, and you realize how God used him, an unbeliever, uh, how brilliant he was. One other thing that I always like to mention, that Alexander was had such a huge ego that he invented a world. He decided, since I'm going to conquer the world, I have to create a language that will unify the world. And God used him to create the language common Koine Greek. It is the language that our New Testament is written in. So God used this unbeliever not only to accomplish his will in the battlefield, but also to create a language, the most living and active language in the history of the world, to write our New Testament. And I really like that stuff. So um, that's really great. Uh, one other thing, that on a, on a sad note, I got uh, a word just as we we're going on the air that... Um, 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 Christian community lost R.C. Sproul today. Uh, R.C. Sproul, who is on this radio program uh, with this program, not this program, but this radio station uh, with this program, uh, went home to be with the Jesus, with the Lord today. Um, he's been uh, unhealthy for a very, very long time, uh, and he is in the presence of the Lord today. And while I disagreed with him uh, on virtually everything, there's no doubt that he was a committed believer and he was sincerely following his heart, uh, but he was a believer 
um, um, and now he's in the presence of the Lord, and he knows everything that he was right about and everything that he was wrong about, but he's now gone on to his reward. So uh, lots of people hurting today. Keep them in your prayers. Let's go to Lake Hills, Texas, and talk with Christian on line one. Christian, thanks for holding. You're on the air. I was just wondering, why did Jesus have to get baptized if he hadn't sinned in his life? Great question, Christian. How old are you? Nine. Nine years old. Thank you for asking. Christian, Jesus didn't have to get baptized. He wanted to get baptized. And the reason he did it was because he knew that one day on the cross at Calvary, he would become sin. He who knew no sin became sin, that we might become the righteousness of God. He was identifying with fallen man at the beginning of his ministry, simply saying to John the Baptist, it's right that you do this. So John, who didn't want to baptize him, baptized him, and it pleased Jesus to be able to identify with us. He was identifying with fallen man so that when he died on the cross and gave his life for ours, then by believing in him, our sins would be forgiven. Does that help you? Yes, sir. Thank you, Christian. Keep keep reading about Jesus and keep following him, young man. Thank you very, very much. 340, there is a set of parents, whoever they are, that are doing a wonderful job with their son. Christian, keep following Jesus. Here's an anonymous question. Should Christians drink alcohol? No. How's that for a short and to the point answer? No. Can we drink alcohol? We have the choice to drink it. But here's what we need to remember. Paul said all things are permissible, but not all things are beneficial. And honestly, Anonymous, as a almost 23-year pastor, I haven't seen one positive thing come from um, alcohol, from drinking. And I've seen so much pain uh, as a result of people drinking. So many people are predisposed to become dependent upon alcohol that they're um, no longer uh, able to, to, to function normally. Now, what the Christian who wants to drink will say, yeah, but I'm free to do it. Yeah, but you're not free to be brought under the control of it. And sometimes I think we who are Christians sort of protest too much about our freedom. Remember, if we're free to have a drink, we're never free to get drunk, that's clear in Scripture. But if we're free to drink, it means we're also free not to. And the thing is, if you do it because you need it, if you do it because you can't chill out without it, then you're under its control. And I'd hate to think about the message we're sending. Just think about families. The husband or the wife, mom or the dad drinks at home. And we're sending a message to our children that it's okay to artificially make ourselves feel better or to do something to make us relax. And we live in a culture where drugs are so readily available to our kids. What's to keep them from doing the same thing? So Christians should not drink alcohol, period. Now, we can and we can do so in moderation, and the Lord doesn't count it as sin. But as one who has seen so much pain from drinking alcohol, let me say, I wish I could point to a place in the Bible where it said it's sin, don't do it. The problem is I don't want to go beyond what the Word says. So this is a matter of conscience. It's between you and the Lord. Remember, you're never, ever able to get drunk. And by the way, that's why smoking marijuana is never okay, because you immediately get high. You immediately are brought under its control. And people say, no, I could stop anytime I want. I always challenge them. Well, then stop there. I don't want to. It's because they can't want to. So, no, I don't think Christians should drink at all. But if you do, um, it's between you and the Lord. Do so in moderation. Remember that we're going to give account of our lives before the Lord. Don't want to make anybody else stumble. What if you had a dinner party at home and some people from the church came and you offered them a glass of wine or a mixed drink 
and it was no problem for you, but later found out that they were one of those who were predisposed to being an alcoholic. And they started drinking too much. Now, it's their choice. It's not on you. But you're the one that caused them to stumble. So be careful in exercising your freedom. I think that's the point I'm trying to make. Here is a question from Sheila. She says, is there one key to effective prayer? Sheila, the answer is yes. Now, obviously, prayer has a whole bunch of different components. But there is one key to effective prayer, and that's to be with Jesus. Just be with Jesus. You're talking to him. It's conversation. It's not the style. It's not the method. It's not the formula that you use or don't use. It's having your heart right with God. And if your heart's right with God, then you can be with him. And then it's just a natural flowing conversation. So if there's one key, that's it. Now, let me also say this. If your heart's right with God, there's no wrong way to pray. No wrong way to pray. God wants to answer your prayers if you're in fellowship with the Lord. And by that, I mean you're with him in a relationship. You know, it's rude if you have a relationship with somebody and they're with you everywhere you go, but you don't talk to them. So if you have a relationship with God and if your heart's right, your prayers are going to get answered. And when your prayers start getting answered, you're going to turn into a prayer warrior. So be with Jesus. The other comment that I'll make, Sheila, is this one. Don't be discouraged. Um, I think some of the best answers to prayer that I've had in my nearly 27 years walking with the Lord is that he hasn't answered some of my prayers. He hasn't answered them. Now, it might have frustrated me at the time, but as time passes, I now realize that had he answered those prayers the way I wanted them, it wouldn't have been a good thing for me. So just be with Jesus and talk to him. Don't make prayer too mystical. Don't make it so difficult that you've got to do it. I was talking with somebody today in in the office and I'm just not one of these guys that can sit in a dark room and be on my knees. And my mind just goes too many places. So I like to take Jesus out and talk to him like I talk with Paula if we're walking or anybody else that I might be with. Uh, and that to me is the, 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 the most important time that I have any time uh, in my life, that time I'm spending with the Lord. Thank you very much. Three four zero ninety five eighty five for your live calls and questions. Uh, let's go to... Um, San Marcos oh uh, this is an anonymous question that was called in has John 33 happened I, I don't know there is no John 33 so I, I'm sorry anonymous I, I don't know uh, I, I can't even hazard a guess what that is maybe if you can call back to the studio and and be a little bit more specific or maybe this is a typo and we just didn't get it correctly. So uh, maybe it's a one chapter and the 33rd verse, but I just don't know what it is. So we'd love to have you call back from San Marcos. 340-9585. Here is a question. Hold on a minute. Um, Anonymous just called in again. The different one. How do you answer somebody who is always angry with you? Uh, and then he puts up Colossians 4.6. Um you know, Proverbs tells us that a kind word turns away wrath. So if somebody's angry with you, um, you need to know why. And I would ask them, why are you angry with me? What have I done? I want to say I'm sorry. I want to I want to ask for forgiveness if, in fact, I've done something to make you angry with me. Um, most of the time, Anonymous, when somebody's always angry with you, it's their issue and not yours. Colossians 4, 6 says, Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Um, that's what we need to remember. It's hard when somebody's angry with you and they're they're yelling at you or they're mistreating you or they're falsely judging you. But but I, I, I think we who are Christians, we have to be able to sit down. Jesus says, uh, if you take your gift to the altar and, and remember that somebody's uh, upset with you, you've offended somebody, leave your gift there, go make it right with your brother, then come back and leave your gift. I, I think we've got to be really diligent 
about finding out why people are angry with us so that we can do something about it. If you find out it's nothing you did, the problem is going to be with them. You can pray for them. You can tell them, look, I know you're angry with me. I don't understand why. I didn't do what you think I did, but I'll always be here for you if you want to come back and work this out. But don't just ignore it. Um, let people know, I want to be right with you. I, I don't want anybody angry with me. So deal with it that way. Oh, Another anonymous question just called in. It says, is it okay to use physical force as a Christian? Uh, if you are defending yourself, of course. Uh, if you are engaged in a sport that um, requires physical force, the answer is yes. But if you're using physical force in anger, uh, if you're using physical force with the intent to harm, um, and it's not in the, the, the context of self-defense or defending your family or your home or your property, uh, then it's something that you shouldn't ought to do. Um, if somebody attacks you, you've got to fight back. You, you, the, the Bible gives us a mandate to defend ourselves. Uh, and we need to do it. So in that context only, Anonymous, it's okay to use physical force as a Christian. And, and as I mentioned, you know, if you're in, if you're a boxer, if you're a martial artist, or if you're a football player, of course it's okay to use uh, physical force, but not in there, any other context than those two. Thank you very much for the call. 340-9585, Carl says, uh, what happens to people who never hear about Jesus? Carl, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to assume this comes from, from uh, a heart that's honest and searching. Um, everybody hears about Jesus. Now, Jesus has given us his law. He's given us a conscience. Uh, he's given us creation, all of that according to Romans chapter 1. So everybody's heard about Jesus. Everybody in the world, even if they're in the furthest, most remote jungle of the world, they see that there is a God who created everything that is. It's a God who has a design, a plan. Sun comes up the same place every morning. It sets the same place every evening. The, the seasons come at the same time every year, regardless of what part of the world that you're in. Um creation, the heavens declare the glory of God, day after day they pour forth speech there's no nation or language where they're not understood, David writes in the Psalms, so everybody's heard about Jesus, they may not have heard about the name of Jesus and here's where we've got to understand that God is a reward of those who seek him diligently and God will not leave any searching heart, if somebody's responded to the conscience God's given them if somebody's responded to creation, oh, I would like to meet the creator uh, of this world that we live in, um, Jesus is going to show himself to them in some fashion or manner. Just this past Friday night, last week, a week ago, we talked about Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, a, a man who was searching for God, but in that search for God was con continually frustrated uh, he was a believer in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but he couldn't be a Jew because he was a eunuch that violated the law. So he, he went to Jerusalem to worship. He came back unfulfilled, but he was seeking. And God took Philip supernaturally away from work that he was doing and put him right on this road to nowhere. And then he says, there's a man in a chariot. He just happens to be reading from the prophet Isaiah. Tell me, do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked, and he said, well, how can I if no one explains it to me? And then he asked the question, is this man speaking of himself or, or another prophet? And from that point, Philip explained to him about Jesus, and he became a believer instantly. Now, that's important because we have a tendency to believe that people never hear somehow going to get off. No, everybody hears. Everybody's without excuse. So, Carl, I hope that answers your question. 340-9585, let's go to San Marcos and talk with Jim on line one. Jim, thanks for calling. You're on the air. Hey, Ron, I was a guy with the John 33 thing. It was actually John 3, 
verse 3 where Jesus tells Nicodemus, uh, we must be born again to see the kingdom. Um, so I know a guy really, really well who holds a fluorescent yellow sign on the street corner in San Marcos that says, has John 3, 3 happened to you? Strikes up conversations with people politely, that kind of stuff. Do you see anything wrong with that? Because that fellow uh, is is definitely a born again believer, but he's being uh, being criticized in, in a couple of different ways by believers and non believers, obviously. So, what do you think of a tactic like that? Remember the guy back in the seventies uh, that hold the John three sixteen sign behind the, the goalpost of NFL games? I, I rainbow. They call, he, the he had the rainbow right. wig. Yeah, I, I was right, going to mention guy. him. Yeah, uh, actually, shame on the Christians who are being critical of him. Um, uh, I would question if somebody could be critical of him uh, and yet profess themselves to be a Christian. My, if I was talking to them face to face, I'd say, well, well, well are, have you been born again? You know, um, one time, uh, Jim, I was I was uh, teaching out of John chapter three. And I use the illustration because I talk about born again. I don't ask people in Texas if they're saved or if they're a Christian because everybody says mm-hmm. yes. But but I said, right. uh, so I ask, are you born again? And I get that blank stare. And right. somebody who had been listening to me for a long time said, why do you always tell people that they have to be born again? And my answer was, because you have to be born again. I find no fault in what this guy is doing. He's using the gift that God has given him, the gift of evangelism. Uh, If he's not getting in people's faces and shouting at them, if he's not creating difficulties, uh, I I commend what he's doing. The Word of God has power. And all he's asking is that same question, are you born again? And I love the fact that somebody is willing to put themselves out there at risk to make sure that people who don't know Jesus are born again. So uh, I have no problem with that at all. I think what he's doing is a wonderful thing. And I would be very vocal uh, against those who are Christians uh, who claim that he is he shouldn't be doing it uh, because they can't support their case scripturally. Uh, I understand unbelievers getting mad. I still make people mad when I tell them you got to be born again. Uh, even for people who say they're Christians, they get mad at me. And I always use that as a as a segue to say, look, if you're mad at me because I tell you what Jesus said, you must be born again. Uh, I get a lot of flack, and perhaps he does too in our city, from Catholics because they don't uh, believe the doctrine of, of uh, what Jesus just said. You must be born again or you'll not inherit the kingdom of God. They believe that infant baptism uh, into the church and by the church uh, deals with the issue of being born again. It, 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 it deals with the original sin, and that means you're in. And, of course, that's completely antithetical to what the Bible teaches. So, uh, Jim, I have no problem at all with what he did or is doing, and I commend him highly for it. Three four zero ninety five eighty five. We're inside five minutes now, so let me get to another question. Oscar says, is it possible that people will get a second chance to be saved after they die. Oscar, the, the, the answer to your question is no. Uh, it's, it's simply not uh, possible at all. Hebrews 9.27 says it's appointed unto men once to die and then face the judgment. Uh, the Catholic notion of purgatory is, is um, heretical. Um, Jesus talked about what would happen to those who make their little ones stumble. Um, But the answer is no. We have to choose in this life where we're going to spend forever. And if we won't choose to spend forever with Jesus while we're here on this life, what makes anybody think that if there was a second chance, they'd they'd make that choice? You know, Luke chapter 16 tells the story of the rich man who died on the same day Lazarus. The poor man died, and the rich man, um, all he wanted in torment uh, in the compartment of, of, uh, of the abyss that he was in, all he wanted was to be comforted. He didn't say, can I be saved? He said, Lazarus, send him over, Father Abraham, and cool my tongue. I'm in torment in this fire. And he was told, he can't come to you, nor can you come to him. At the end of that, this man said, well, then have him go tell my brothers, my family, because he wanted them to be spared from the torment he was in. He didn't have an opportunity himself. So no, there's no second chance whatsoever, Oscar. This will be the last question today uh, for the week. In fact, this is from Donald. 
Uh, Pastor Ron, what are your thoughts on communion? Should it be open or closed? Uh, for those of you who don't know, there are churches that have what they call a closed communion. Uh, Lutherans, um, notably, they're, they're um, uh, convinced that, that unless you are a member of their church or agree with their covenants, um, that, that they won't allow you to partake of communion. Um, I think communion should be open and, and never denied to a real believer. Um, but, but whether somebody's a real believer is not for somebody like me to determine. That's between them and God. Uh, Donald, whenever I do communion, we do it on the first Sunday of every month here at Calvary Chapel. Uh, before we partake, I always let the people know that, that communion is a family celebration. By that, I mean they have to be born again. And then I say this, if you're not here and you're not born again and you have no intention of giving your life to Jesus, then it would be better for you to pass on the communion elements. Uh, I tell them I'll be dismissing in just a couple of minutes and they're free to go. Uh, But then I offer them an invitation to become the guest of honor at the table of communion by becoming a new believer. And if anybody wants to give their heart to Jesus Christ, then we uh, are not only able to celebrate the, the, the cup and the bread, uh, the symbols of our faith, um, but we're also able to celebrate the newness of life in Christ for yet one more man or one more woman. So uh, I think communion should be open. If somebody comes in, well, we don't check their spiritual ID. We don't take their pulse to see if they're born again. We just leave it to them, um, giving them the information they need. So uh, I know this is a touchy subject with many liturgical churches, but uh, Um, Jesus said, let anybody come. Hey, thanks for tuning in. Appreciate all of the calls, especially those from San Francisco today. I appreciate it very, very much. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Remember, you're invited tonight at 6.30. Our children's Christmas play at the Judson High School Performing Arts Center, 6.30, no admission. You'll have a blast, and I promise you'll be blessed. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Have a wonderful weekend serving Jesus. Thanks for spending this time with Calvary Chapels, The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The Word to Stand On for Life is on every weekday afternoon at 4, and Pastor Ron invites you to find out more about Calvary Chapel at calvarysa.com. The Word to Stand On for Life was sponsored by Calvary Chapel of San Antonio. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.